So there's been more written about Pasha's Korach, and it's very, very hard to wrap one's head around the whole Parsha. The sons of felt that Korach was a big tzaddik, as do some Midrashim. And rather than going into to that, I, I decided I wanted to bring to your attention, you know, the long-standing debate between the Lithuanian schools of uh, studying and learning, the intellectual mastery of our tradition, uh, versus the Hasidic revolution, which I have always called a Pauline revolution, in which the spirit of the law is paramount and led to uh, the terrible debates and which spilled over to violence, um, people losing their jobs, people being kicked out of Stetlich uh, for being attached to this new group. I wanted to bring to your attention today the Natsiv and the way the Natsiv uses the Parsha of Korach in that debate between ecstasy and dveikut versus mastery of texts and the outer limits and boundaries uh, of uh, halakha. The Hasidim were being accused of blurring the distinctions of antinomianism. It turned out, in fact, in the end, a hundred years later, they were more frumer than the frum in their observance. And so I want to bring to you the Natsiv, who in his shiurim, uh, in the yeshiva in Valozhin, he would give a class every day, a chumish class after davening. Very unusual. Plus what's unusual about the Natsiv is that he wrote commentaries on Midrash, on Mechilta, on Sifri, on the Gaonim, the Shiltas of the Gaon, Rabbi Chai Gaon. Things that the regular Shas-bearing commentator wouldn't do. So he's outstanding in that. Besides his Marome Sadeh, his commentary on the Talmud, and his collection of responsa literature in Meshiv Davar, his scope is far wider. Now those Shirim, the Chumishirim, became the basis for his commentary on the Bible called the Hamek Davar, one of the finest Chumish commentaries ever written. And not only that, he survived the first printing by 13 years and kept writing He'arot on the side, on which then became the basis for the Harchiv Dover, which you see on the bottom of the Hamik Dover. One of the recurring themes in the Natsiv's Chumish, the Hamik Dover, is his concern that an intense desire to come closer to God, or what we would call Dveikas in the Hasidic terminology, could lead to antinomian behavior, meaning anti-legal or anti-halachic behavior. He understands several mitzvot as addressing this very problem and reads a few of the Bible stories in light of this phenomena. Whilst a transgression is so motivated, if it's motivated this way out of respect and love of God, or what we call in Greek entheos, enthusiasm, it deserves more respect than just a sin motivated by greed and selfishness, he agrees. Its noble motivation makes it, in the Natsiv's eyes, even more dangerous. In two places in the Torah, the Torah prohibits adding commandments. Once in the singular form, in Devarim, in chapter 13, 
and once in the plural in Devarim chapter 4. Now the Nitziv explains that the singular form addresses the based in, meaning you're allowed to make new takanot, edicts, but you're not allowed to portray these takanot as midiaraisa, as biblical law. That's based on the Rambam's Hilchas Mamrim. The plural form in chapter 4 of Devarim addresses each individual Jew who might be tempted to add mitzvot as a means, to quote the Nitziv, of attaining tveikut, or closeness to God. This verse warns against such behavior, not al pipshat, but according to the Nitziv. And the very next verse he writes, which talks about Baal Pa'or, the worship of the idolatry Baal Pa'or, according to Chazal, such worship of Baal Pa'or infiltrated the Jewish community when the people wanted to degrade this idol by defecating before it. This reflects the idolatry's precise mode of worship and constitutes pagan practice. Thus, the Pa'or episode reflects an example of good intentions gone awry. And so the Nitziv puts the two psukim, the two parshiot, of not making new edicts or behavior that is antinomian on an individual basis right next to Pa'or because the Pa'or began with good intentions. And so for the Nitziv, the individual mandate to the Jew from the Torah is don't add even if your intentions are pure. Now, the Torah twice anticipates this problem and attempts to forestall it before it breaks out. And now we come to what I would like to discuss with you inside. The first one is that the Nitziv points out immediately prior to the sin of Nod of an Aviu and the 250 men from the Korach rebellion in yesterday's Parsha, a verse warns precisely about this danger. Both of these episodes were motivated by a desire to come close to Hashem. There were similar transgressions, and you should note that in both episodes, the sin involves bringing incense offering from a machte, from a pan, and are punished with death by divine fire. The first one is in Vayikra 9.6, in Parsha Shmini, and that talks about the korbanot brought by the Nesim in the dedication of the Mishkan. And it says, So bring all this, these sacrifices. And to the children of Israel say, We're going to do a chatos offering before we inaugurate it. And then the Posuk says in Leviticus 9, 8, they did exactly as they were told. El Penei Ohel Moed. Vayikruvu kol du lifnei Adonai. Fine. Now comes what the Nitziv considers the redundant Posuk. The Posuk then goes back. Vayome Moshe. Zehadavar Adonai Tasu. This is what God told you to do. 
so that the fear of God should descend upon you. So the Netziv writes as follows, Zeha Pasuk, this Pasuk, Zeha Dovar Hashem, Omer Darshuni, like using the Rashi's term, it's begging me for an explanation. Sheharikvar Asu Ma Alehem, they already did what they were told to do. Veheviu Hakol El Ohel Moed, they brought all the Korbanos. Umalahem Lasot Od, what more did they need to do? Vedarshu Chazal, the Torah's Konem. Torah's Konem is the halachic midrash to Vayikra. The midrashic midrash, the agadic midrash is Vayikra Rabbah, and the halachic midrash is Torah's Konem, 7th century. Omalahem Moshe Israel, Oisa Yetzahara He'eviru Milibchem. This, because it ends up, may the fear of God be on you, this is coming to teach us that there is a command to remove the Yetzirah from your hearts. You've done all the rituals. You've done all the halachic behavior. You've done all the korbonus, but you could still be a nivel b'shus halacha. You could still be a lech and still go through the motions. You can still be in our shul and shokel like you, you, uh, like you really meant it and be a sex offender and get away with it. <laughs> you don't know what's in the heart of a person. So this posse comes to tell you that you should all be of singular purpose, of singular fear. When it comes to worshipping the divine, it should be a singular purpose and a singular motive. Just like there is only one creator in the world, so there should only be one type of worshipping that creator in the world. Okay. Now, the Nesiv isn't happy enough with that drush. It, he says, this drush requires further biur, further explanation, explanation and expounding. It requires further unpacking. He's not satisfied with just saying you should all be of singular purpose. It's still screaming for darshuni. I mean, so what's the shaykhahs? Because God is unique and you're unique. That's not in this. He's very literary, sensitive to the literary nature of this. We're not talking about God. We're talking about the fear of God and the ritual of the Mishkan. So he's bothered by this Torah's konim. So he adds, Now he adds his knech. To kfar Moshe kochot Israel. If I didn't read this, I, I'm telling you, I just... Didn't know, I didn't think that the Nitziv would be embroiling himself in the Hasidic controversy. And here he goes. The Ha'inyan, to kvar Moshe, kitot Yisrael. Already in the time of Moshe, there were different kitot, classes, streams, um, sects. A cut is a sect. Now remember, the word cut is used pejoratively by the Misnagdim for the Shabtai Tzvi cult, for the Samaritan cult, the Kutim, the Haskalah, and the Hasidim. There were already then sects, sectarianism, groups, Shehayu Lahotib Achar Ahavat Hashem, 
that were had a natiya, they were drawn to the love of the divine. But they didn't follow the boundaries of the halacha of the Torah. Already in the time of Moshe, the Nitziv, one of the first historians of Jewish history, he and Reb Tzodok are the first two in the 19th century to look at the whole span of Jewish history. The Nitziv writes a history of anti-Semitism in the beginning of his parish on Shia Shirim. It's a masterful essay that talks about the history, anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is a modern notion, but he goes, stretches it all back and projects it backwards. Here too, he's saying, already in the time of Moshe, there were sects that followed their hearts after God, but not through the Gvulim. Was he thinking about Christian sects? Let's listen. As I will explain to you at great length in Pasha's Korach, This is the Ikachet of the Reish Nun Anashim. In Korach, the Mitzvah splits into three separate groups. The motivation of Korach, the 250, and Datana Naviram. One, he said, was a big Talmud Chochem, and he wanted power. The other were just riffraff. They were just after a good fight. <laughs> they were with the protesters just to loot. And this middle group, the 215 Nisiei Eidah, they were big tzaddikim. They were masters of Torah and leaders of regiments in Am Yisrael. So what, what went wrong with them? They brought the firepans like Aaron suggested. But they wanted also to participate in the psychedelic experience of the incense. Why? Because What was their mortal sin then? They were willing to die by taking the pans. They knew the halacha said you shouldn't take pans like Dosan and Aviram. Uh, Eldad and Maydad, all these people who were filled with the Spirit of God. Through this holy inspiration and desire, they wanted to grasp the Ahavat Hashem through the psychedelic LSD. They wanted an alteric experience. The flower power of the 60s. Timothy Leary. Just take it in. Get now. Get God. Experience God. Even though it wasn't halachic. It wasn't according to the Ratzon of Torah. Only Aaron and his sons get to experience the highs. garam and I will tell you another example in history. When the inauguration of the temple by Solomon happened, he wanted to bring the very first carbon. But it was Yom Kippur. Never mind, never mind about Yom Kippur. 
Everyone's high. We just built this beautiful, magnificent structure called the Beis Amikdash. And let's forego. We're going to let off with the halachas of Yom Kippur. Kedisa b'moid cotton, moid cotton, gemara, moid cotton for. Mishum she'achilas kotchin, mishulchan gavoya, maybe lavas Hashem. He was so insistent because I know that there is, on the one hand, it's Yom Kippur and you have to fast and that's the law. On the other hand, wow, bringing something to the Mizbech Gavoa is to bring something to satisfy the divine, which brings one to Ahavas Hashem. Okay, so Haven Moshe, Demikol Mokob Yesh Belev Kaba Anashim Al Mashehigia Inyan Alide Prote Ofanimele. Now Moses understood and he foresaw. Now they just brought all the Nesim, brought all their stuff to the Mishkan. The Nitziv's magisterial interpretation of the redundant verse by Yobe Moshe. Now, Zehadava Shetziv Hashem. Zehadava means this and nothing else. Don't start taking the law into your own hands because of your love of the divine. Ma there are times to approach the divine. And there are times not to approach the divine. That's what the Torah's Koranim is saying. I want you at this moment to take the Yetzirah out of your heart. Not the Yetzirah to be naughty. The Yetzirah to love God. It's a Yetzirah because it's not in the right Time with the right boundaries. Even though the desire and the motive is to love God with a great desire in sanctity, if it doesn't meet the criteria of the halachic boundaries, it's just another Yetzirah. Now, in Shlach Lecha, the Netziv brings the smichas of the Pashas of Tzitzis with the Pasha of Korach. You know, the Medrash said the reason that the two are put together because one of the reasons Med, uh, Korach tried to embarrass Moshe was by asking him a shaila in Tzitzis, right? Talis shekulat cheles mai. He asks him in front of everyone, excuse me, a regular talis that's white, needs one strand of sky blue trellis. What about a talus that's all trellis? Why should it need a strand of blue? The Nesiv has a different take on the smichas of the parshias of Tzitzis to Korach. He says, Laman asisim, it's called Hashem. In the parsha of Tzitzis, it says, tzitzis, oso, You should see the Tzitzis. And you shall remember the mitzvahs of God. And then he goes back. Another redundancy he picks up. He goes, You just got through saying, What do you need to go back and say, So the Nitziv says, The two redundant remembrances Lavan utcheles ba'os lishnei ofenei hanhagos adam Yisrael. So I I I call it the blues and the whites. 
And he's now going to give you a typology of blue and white and what they represent in the, in the tzitzis. The first is the white. He's the type of Jew that Nitziv would go to Warsaw to raise money. And he would go to Balabatim. Some of them were wealthy. Some of them weren't so from. These are the types he's talking about here, right? His life is a life of Kavusha mastery. He's got to go out into the world. He's got to make money. He's got to do stuff. He's got to get up at nine and go to work. Nine to five. He's got a day job. Nevertheless, he gets up early to keep the mitzvahs, to go to shul, to do the dafyomi. He does it because that's what he's supposed to do. He sticks to the boundaries of halacha. Hasheni, what I call the blues, this man, he is, his heart is inflamed with the divine. And he goes into his boidedus. He goes into seclusion. He soaks himself. And now the Nitziv says the two Zechiras. That's the first type of tzitzis, the white tzitzis. The second one is Laman Tizkru Vasisim, it's called Mitzvosais. That first one is the whites, and the second one applies to a different group of people, the blues. Vagam alav lishmor. And now the Nitziv is saying, don't think that he's off the hook. You're involved in Getlichkeit, and he's up in a mountain, his boidedus, and he sits with the divine and contemplating. He too has to keep the mitzvah of what? Lishmo mitzvah bismano. He's still got to get up at seven. He's still got to do the daf yomi. He's still got to say Kaddish. He's still got to show up. Velo lekapech maseh a mitzvah bishvilt vekas. Wow. And not to put off the maaseh of the mitzvah, the performative aspect, which for him is only a goal to bring him to the love of the divine and put it off, bishvil devekas, chas v'sholem, for the sake of devekas. For the first time, the Nitziv uses the devekas in a pejorative way. The Hasidim Everything was Dvekas. Learning was Dvekas. Mitzvahs was Dvekas. Everything was to be self-absorbed in the divine. To dissolve that little bubble that is the person's ego in the expansive ocean of Torah and Shekhinah and the divine. Look what the Nitziv is saying. Two types of Jews, two typologies of behavior, of halachic behavior. The one, I have to go out into the world. And I'm keeping mitzvahs because that's my anchor to my tradition and my faith. The second, those mitzvahs, that's just a stepping stool to get high, to get completely absorbed into Vekas. And so, lo sosur achrei levavachem v'achrei for the netziv is a warning for excessive exuberance and enthusiasm. And so, Despite Moshe's admonition, not of an avihu fall into the trap. The strange fire before the Lord, according to the Netziv, is the fire is not strange fire on the fire pan. It is not a physical item, 
but it is the fiery enthusiasm. Tveikus is now from the Greek word en theos, to be filled with theos, with God. Enthusiasm to come close, even in ways which God did not command. And so he also uses this to explain Midrashim that the sons of Aaron violated other prohibitions like entering the Mishkan whilst drunk or lacking the priestly garments. They reason that the normal priestly laws don't apply to them because they are entering in a manner beyond the bounds of Jewish law. And therefore, the norms of halachic restrictions cease to apply. And so, the Torah anticipates a wild desire for clinging to God of the 250 men of the Korach uprising. The commandment of Tzitzis precedes that story because it wants to forestall such behavior. The Nitziv argues that this command reminds both regular Jews and those who seclude themselves in the pursuit of the love of God, Chassidim, to remain within halachic boundaries. The blue threads of Tchela symbolize the yearning for the heavens, and they need this reminder. And that's why in the third paragraph of Shema in the Tzitzis, there's a twice daily recital, the theme of the mitzvah observance already appears in the second section. And the tzitzis paragraph is added to express the need for halachic boundaries. This preliminary warning didn't stop the tide. The Nitziv notes striking differences between the various groups of the Korach camp. As I said, the 250 men brought the incense out of the love. Unlike the 250 men, Dawson and Aviram don't participate in the incense test. And they're just there for the, for the ride. Korach alone is swallowed up by the ground. The 250 men yearn for the religious experience of bringing the incense. They cannot tolerate the fact that this type of experience has restricted only to Aaron and his descendants. So a terminological parallel that the Nitziv brings in Bamidbar 17, 3, is the word looking back at what took place, now the machtos of these 250 sinners, it adds the word, what does it mean? They sinned, so the Nitziv says, I've already told you that the 250 men were chasidei hador, they were moisa nefesh for God. The nausea has to bring a korban. Why did you withdraw from the world? You have to bring a, a chatos at the end of your naziras because you didn't participate in the world the way the halacha requires. Al nefesh. So he says... Al-Nafshatam, the same phrase appears by the nausea. In both cases, there was a striving for a level of holiness not truly deserved. Okay, so what is the alternative? The Nitziv points out that Chizkiah was able to wean the people away from Avodah Zorah by showing them how they could cling to God through the study of Torah. In other words, the striving for Dveikas is a good thing. The key is to realize that the halachic system allows enough room for individuality, passion, and religious experience without the need to break its boundaries. Now, 
the, the Nitziv took over Valoshan from Reb Chaim Valoshan. He started it. And Reb Chaim Valoshan had written in the first and second generation uh, of the Hasidim a book called Nefesh Chaim, which was in response to the Alter Rebbe's Tanya in which Dveikas itself was the ultimate experience of Torah and mitzvahs. And the Nefesh HaChaim, a PhD for Rabbi Norman Lamb, who recently died, uh, we miss him, his PhD and his book was on the Nefesh HaChaim, and his later book was on the Alter Rebbe, comparing and contrasting the notion of Dveikas in the Lithuanian model, which was the study of Torah, versus the notion of Dveikas in the Hasidic model. Is the Torah and mitzvahs the end or the beginning of the end? And I want to end up with the, with the Meishaloach and that the Meish Hashiloach takes a spin on Korach by saying that uh, Korach himself was a great man and his notion that Kol Ha'eda Kodesh, that the whole of the Edah is holy. And why are you lording yourselves over us as the Kohen Godel, whereas we can all participate in this, according to the Meishaloch, was a correct assumption. And the only difference was that he was preempting the time when this will be in the future. That is, in the future, Korach will be right that everyone will have access to the divine using those, um, those machtos. So the notion for the Meishaloach is not that he sinned, but he sinned prematurely. And this goes back to this ongoing argument between Kavanah and Keva. When Heschel writes about davening, he says the constant conflict that a person has is between what he is been legislated to do in fulfilling the halacha of davening, the keva, the fixed boundaries of halacha, versus the kavanah of, halacha, of kavanah of tefillah, which is to connect with the divine. And I think that that mirrors itself in all religions, whether it's Hindu, Buddhist, whether it's Meister Eckhart in the Christian church versus the Orthodox, whether it's the high church versus the evangelical church, whether it's the Hasidim versus the Misnagdim, whether it's the Sufi versus the, the Mutakalim, rational philosophers, this notion of the head and the heart and our desire to connect with the mystery of our lives or the divine uh, remains something that penetrates all traditions, reflecting that what Jung, the psychologist of the unconscious, considers the ultimate split within the human soul um, between the head and the heart. Thank you. Have a wonderful week.